Now, welcome to the Embark mini-pod, brought to you by Embark Group, as we take a snapshot look at some of the finer topics from across the industry today. We're very lucky to have Gillian Hepburn, Intermediary Solutions Director at Schroeder's, with us, talking about an article that's uh, been on the website. It is the value of advice. You can find it on the Insight page at embarkgroup.co.uk, and I recommend you do, because it's fascinating to look at the kind of pressures that financial advisors come under, particularly in terms of giving value. Now, uh, Gillian, let me ask you, first of all, uh, a key question, I think, in this, which is how do you make sure that people you advise do feel that they get value? Because from from what's been said in the article, sometimes they're not very willing to pay very much for it, are they? No, it's a very good question to start with, um, because um, really one of the challenges of um, the assessment of value is um, it's it's simply based on you know on on what the client's view is here. They are the only person that can assess this, and and of course it's the challenge is that it's actually largely intangible, um, and and so that was one of the things that got us thinking when we looked at um, I guess the the kind of tension between advisors feeling that their charges are under pressure as we'd identified in our survey and also some of the the comments that were coming through from the recent paper from the FCA so that was the one that was announced at the back end of last year which looked at the um, where we are with regards to post retail distribution review and the financial advice market review. So in all this obviously you, you have to deal with people you have to talk to them you have to I guess, persuade them. And I was taken very much with one of the descriptions in there. You you kind of hold their hands in a way because what you're trying to do is give them confidence. Is that is that the core of it? Well, I think there's a number of things, isn't there, that constitutes value. And um, and one of the challenges that the FCA identified was that significant numbers of people were being um, put into what we would call ongoing charge models where the advisor continues to take an advice charge and, and maybe that was an area that was felt to be under pressure and I guess um, if you're looking at tangible value then there's there's times where you might meet an advisor um, on a say a regular basis or you receive a report from them but what about this this ongoing kind of um, service that they deliver and, um, and I think what was really useful, if you look at uh, some research that was done by the Interlo- in, sorry, Tongue Twister, the International Longevity Centre, they indicated that value could be ascribed to you know, three points, getting clients to save, invest and take risk, getting them to stay invested and maintaining their confidence. So I, I think in terms of this ongoing value, it, it holding their hands is a really interesting way of of describing it and I think what advisors certainly told us was that during last year when clearly there was significant market volatility advisors were really doing these three things they were they were really helping their advisors their their clients sorry to stay invested and to I guess weather the storm in some respects um one advisor talked to me about um managing their clients emotions Um, and that's a really interesting uh, phrase to use in terms of working with their clients but they really saw themselves as as doing these three things to um to get clients through what was a challenging time and actually if you look at where these clients have ended up um you know there was clearly a bounce back in the market 
and and many of these investors are now in a more comfortable place both financially and and actually emotionally um which is back to that intangible uh, you know as a result of their advisor really keeping in touch with them and holding their hand well, I was just saying, Gillian, for, forgive me for interrupting, but emotional support, I mean, how do you provide that as an advisor? Yeah, it's, good, it's a good question, and it's back to, um, I think, for me, um, it's really all around, isn't it, trust and integrity and the relationship that they, the, the advisor has with that client, that they can just quite simply understand um, why the client might be feeling concerned, um, picking up the phone to them, you know, keeping really in touch with them um, when when times are tough. And, and again, we heard lots of great examples of advisors doing that throughout last year, where they really kept in regular contact with clients um, and really explained to them what was going on. And and it's almost back to that, um, the whole understanding of investment, that whole risk reward thing, what does that look and feel like? Um, and I think um, certainly for me last year, you know, we can have hypothetical discussions, can't we, with clients about what taking risk looks like or what it might mean. But last year was a real test of that in terms of, um, you know, how, people's capacity for loss and what that meant like, what it felt like to them. Um, and I think that's where advisors really came into their own and demonstrating that, you know, ongoing handholding and, and keeping them in the market. Yeah, I mean, and Gillian, I mean, let me become a, a sort of grumpy potential investor and say to you, hang on a second, um, I'm coming to you with my funds. I, in the end, I mean, forget emotion, I want to get pounds, shillings and pence out of this. I want to get actual value. Uh, and they'll say, well, why should I pay you? I could just leave the money sitting there and it'll probably make as much as your investment might make for me. How would you reply? Well, it's a good point, isn't it? Because, you know, what we saw last year was many, many clients not just sitting there and and reacting as soon as the market started to drop by moving their money in, into cash which obviously with hindsight might not have been the best thing to do. So, you know, so there can be real value in that um, that discussion with the client about being invested. And I think there was a great example also in the FCA paper about clients sitting in cash and the impact that that could have on their investments. I think interestingly, they described it as potential harm if, if clients are sitting in cash rather than being invested. But I think it's also about the other things that um, that advisors are there to do. So thinking about um, passing on wealth, for example, to that next generation and, and working not just with our clients, but with our, the you know, the wider family and thinking about how, how that would work and passing on money tax efficiently. We're also seeing clients really ask their advisors about sustainable investments and, and ESG and what, what does that mean and can you help educate me and can I put my money to good use um, as opposed to investing it? Can, can I make it, you know, can I add value in terms of what I'm doing in a, in a wider context? So I, I think it's back to advisors really um, demonstrating to clients the whole range of, um, you know, of help and support that they can give their clients. But I mean, at the same time, I'm this grumpy investor still, and I'm thinking, okay. well, how much am I going to pay for all this? And am I going to keep paying? I mean, there's various models of the ongoing charging model, I suppose. Or maybe I say, well, you know, have I got a gold, a silver, a bronze service? Are, are there a, a whole range of things I can, I can get in that sort of way? Different patterns, I suppose. 
I mean, these sort of issues, I guess, are, are in people's minds when it comes to paying for advice. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and also, you know, what we're seeing in the market now is a number of different um, charging models um, being delivered and being de- um, and delivered to clients. Um, so, you know, many, particularly, you know, I mentioned intergenerational wealth there um, a minute ago. And what we're seeing is that younger people typically only want to pay for advice when they receive it. Now, that might be that might be fine. But but clearly then what they're missing out on is this ongoing handholding when things get tough. So they might get they might pay for a piece of advice up front, but then they're not getting the opportunity to um, to work with an advisor who might keep them invested. You know, back to the early example. So I think what we're seeing though is that in a number of different charging models coming into the market. Um, but it's back to making sure that that client knows exactly what they're what they're paying for. And, and what is the value of that? Yeah, because, I mean, you, you are, I suppose, constrained because post-RDR, the Retail Distribution Review, the way you can work as an advisor is to some extent more constrained and, and certainly the way you can charge. Well, well, clearly, and, and, and that was really, um, you know, one of the many objectives of the Retail Distribution Review, um, wasn't it, to look at how advisor, how effectively the, the break between the um the provision of a product and advice was separated in terms of a charging perspective. Um, and therefore, you know, at that point, that was when we saw many advisors look at how they could articulate their value to clients. And, and as I mentioned in the article, these sort of gold, silver, bronze propositions, where they were largely based on things like how many times a year I met you or how many times a year I sent you a report. Um, and actually, if we go back to, well, actually the client um, values, trust, integrity, knowledge, professionalism, in addition to good investment returns, then, you know, I think there's been a bit of a rethink over the years since RDR about you know, how that is all delivered and packaged. How do you feel yourself, Julian, about this? Because, I mean, you know, when you're challenged um, about how much you're charging, the value of what you do, I mean, that must undermine you a bit, doesn't it? Um, I, I guess what's interesting now, isn't it? We we it feels like we live in a discounted world. Yep. Uh, you walk along the high street, well, or we did, and everything's on sale or discounted. So um, it's about uh, advisors really trying to I- explain to the client um what they do, um how much that is going to cost, and and what the benefit is. I, I think probably um. In, in answer to your question, it's probably easier, actually, I think, for them to do that for existing clients where they've really seen some of these benefits over the years. But it's potentially harder to explain to new clients. Um, and, and I think probably for many advisors going into this year, that's something that they really need to start to think about. So whether it's um, having really good case studies in place or client referrals uh, where um, somebody has really been able to explain the value that this advisor has brought to them. Um, I, th- I think one of the things advisors need to do is, is to start to think a little bit differently about how they um, get those messages ac- across to clients. So, as I said, particularly new clients. So a more tailored service, in effect, is what you're saying? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and, and also, it, the service has always got to be around uh, something that's within the advisor's control. So, you know, having a, a service proposition purely based on investment returns, you know, could could be a challenge because as, as we've seen in 2020, nobody knows you know, what's around the corner. 
So it's really about them sitting down and thinking about all the different elements of the service that they can provide the clients. Um, and, and as I've said at, you know, at the beginning of this, one of the biggest challenges there is that, that this hand-holding piece is, is, is intangible, isn't it? It's, it's quite difficult to explain to a client what that looks like. But I think last year has given us some great examples of the benefits of it. Yes, I mean, trying to price hand-holding is a very difficult concept. Really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But what, what you're putting over is, is your experience, fundamentally. I mean, you're going to them and saying, I know what I'm doing. I, I've been, you know, none of us have been through the last year before, but you know how to handle the situation. And that is... Well, almost priceless, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and and this whole piece around, you know, clients like you and then, you know, explaining the type of clients they manage and how they've helped them. And, um, and I think that makes a big difference. If, if somebody can, um, you know, if somebody can envisage people that look like them in terms of their requirements from a financial perspective, I think that really can help in terms of understanding what what I'm paying for and what the value and the benefits are going to be to me as a client. And I suppose when you come out of this extraordinary year and then you look back and you say, well, look, I have safeguarded your assets. I've given you the right sort of advice. I've yeah. made you feel comfortable about staying in an investment and yeah. you've reaped the benefits. I mean, that's the best demonstration of all, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and then and then back to that other piece around, you know, how can I help your wider family as well? So, you know, we're seeing a huge shift of money starting to move from one generation to the next. So how can I help the wider family? How can I also help with things like wills and trusts and power of attorney and and really broaden out the services that they are giving to clients? So I, th- I think there's huge opportunities for advisors to demonstrate their value. So, so broadening the offer, maybe that's really to bring it round full circle. That's the that's the way forward. If you're if you're showing not only your experience but the fact that it's across a wide sphere, maybe they'll be that much happier to to part with the cash they need to get the advice. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's a fascinating situation to be in where you you have to deal with such a difficult uh, challenge, but you come up to the mark and, you know, at the end of the day, you're worth it. That's really, I think, what the article is trying to suggest. (laughs) And it's worth having faith in the product that you have, which is, as you say, your advice. Well, my thanks there to Gillian Hepburn, Intermediary Solutions Director at Schrader's fascinating article, uh, really tapping into what advice means, what its value is, and the fact that in the end it has to be paid for and you know it's important to demonstrate it's worth all that now thanks very much indeed for being with us on today's mini podcast talking about the necessity of advice and you can find the article itself of course on the embark group website embarkgroup.co.uk that's it from us for today we'll be back with another mini pod before too long i'm roger hearing thanks for being with us <laughs>